Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller. Today's program comes on the heels of a busy week past and a busy week ahead. Coming up this weekend, the Got to Be NC Festival at the State Fairgrounds starts Friday, continues through Saturday and Sunday. Going on, as the folks in New Bern and Havelock know too well, forest fire burning. We'll find out about that and how our planting progress is going from the Commissioner of Agriculture in North Carolina, Steve Troxler. And Thursday of last week, the Supreme Court ruled on the National Pork Producers Council versus the state of California and specifically Proposition 12. That mandates the size of enclosures on pork operations. Spoiler alert, it went California's way. Changes are coming for producers that want to sell in the state of California. We'll be joined by the CEO of the North Carolina Pork Council, Roy Lee Lindsay. Also coming up at the end of the program, the mention of a farm tragedy, Farmer versus Bull. We'll tell you about that. That's just before I review last week's market prices. The Agriculture in North Carolina program is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Let me welcome my co-host, Jeff Turner, COO of Murphy Family Ventures and decades-long member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture and the Commissioner of Agriculture in the state of North Carolina, Steve Troxler. Hey, Commissioner Troxler. How are you, sir? Well, I'm good, sir. Hope you are. Couldn't be better. I've sat on my hands all morning to keep from clapping. It's such a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I read the newspapers, Jeff. You ain't doing that. You're probably referring to... Prop 12 and the Supreme Court decision, it are what it are. We'll just have to make the best of it. I am. In a 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court majority said the type of meat sold in California does not create an unconstitutional problem for the state's voter-approved Proposition 12. At issue was whether the sweeping proposition passed by voters in 2018 in the state of California is able to block sales in California of particular poultry and pork products from other states that don't adhere to the California animal housing standards. Have you followed that, Commissioner? I have. I'm kind of surprised, but and I don't understand, but maybe I will understand at some point. And I realize, Commissioner, as we're talking, it is less than 24 hours after the Supreme Court issued their ruling, so... Your office probably hasn't got to everything on it. Well, to me, I call it the tail wagging the dog. If it was left to Jeff Turner, there just would be no pork in California. Likely to be some darn expensive pork in California. Very well could happen. In fact, what they ought to do is have pictures. They ought to unload all the pork out of the, out of the meat cases in every supermarket and take it to the dump and say, folks, this is what you voted for. This pork is no good for you. You can go to your General Assembly and get this mess changed, or you can do without. Take your pick. We'll get into that a little bit later in the program with Roy Lee Lindsay of the North Carolina Pork Council, because I know, Commissioner, you haven't had time to digest all that legislative pork. We invited you here today to say a few words about the Got to Be NC Festival going on at the State Fairgrounds this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And just like last year's State Fair, there's a whole lot of new items going on this year at the festival. We're in competition with all kinds of venues for entertainment, and uh, you can't let it get drab, and uh, you can't sit still. So we try to improve every year, and and there are a lot of people that liken the uh, Got to Be NC Festival to a mini State Fair, and We try to make this a very family-friendly event and focus on kids, and 
We hope that uh, that the families bring the kids out and let them see at a very early age uh, what agriculture is and where the food supply comes from and have some fun while we're doing it. Do you all still have that ginormous grocery cart? I hate to say this, or I'm glad to say this, because we used it so much, but we, <laughs> we actually wore the doggone thing out. <laughs> I imagine. Uh, it got to the point that uh, the front end on it was uh, so wiggly it uh, was kind of difficult to drive, and we had this thing actually leased from a company that built it. When it was wore out, we sent it back. <laughs> That's the way it works, isn't it? <laughs> It might not be in the parade this year, but you've got other farm vehicles in the parade. We certainly do. You know, one of the cornerstones of the Got to Be NC Festival is the uh, the antique tractors and equipment. And the tractor parade that we have uh, with the vehicle all three days. I'm a big fan of butterfly exhibits and butterfly barns. And you're going to have one this year at the Got to Be NC Festival. We're going to have the butterfly barn that will offer the visitors an opportunity to learn about the life cycles of butterflies and their migration patterns and, uh, you know, the native butterflies that uh, we know here in North Carolina. On Saturday, we have uh, over 30 Masonic lodges that come in and uh, cook barbecue. The proceeds of this go to uh, the Masonic children's home over in Oxford, and uh, the Masons had uh, supported this home for a long, long time. I know my father was a Mason, and uh, I learned about this home at a very early age. We hope people will come in. Uh, I think it starts, the feeding starts around 11 o'clock. It's always a, a big hit. Come in, eat good barbecue, uh, support the pork industry in North Carolina, and uh, support the Masonic Home for Children in Oxford. So many things to do, so many things to enjoy, and the good thing is it's free admission and free parking also. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Friday noon to 10, Saturday 9 to 10 p.m., Sunday 9 a.m. till 8 p.m. at the North Carolina State Fairground. More in just a moment with Commissioner Troxler on agriculture in North Carolina. Thanks in part to Syngenta, a leading agricultural company helping to improve global food security by enabling farmers to make better use of available resources. The future lies in precision agriculture. Create your plan with help from Syngenta. This is Agriculture in North Carolina on Talk 96.3 and 103.7, and you can find us online at aginnc.com. I'm Dan Miller, along with co-host Jeff Turner, and we're joined by the Commissioner of Agriculture in North Carolina, Steve Troxler. Jeff? So one of the other hats you wear, obviously, Commissioner, is that of uh, Forestry Department, and we've had a pretty good-sized fire for the last, what, three weeks? You know, it's down uh, close to Newburn, and uh, it's a, a difficult fire because it's peat moss land that the ground actually catches on fire, and you can't put that fire out from the top side unless you get a major hurricane or tropical storm. We have to try to put it out from the bottom side, which involves pumping uh, millions and millions and millions of gallons of water into ditches and canals and actually put it out from the, the underside as these uh, soils wick the water up. So we're still in the pumping operations now. I think the fire is about 65% contained, and we're concentrating on uh, hot spots that, uh, you know, that would cause uh, long-term problems. 
So uh, we're not through it. Uh, fighting these types of fires is very, very expensive. I think the total cost of this fire has now exceeded $5 million. And unfortunately, this is the second year that we've had these massive ground fires to deal with. And uh, if you can imagine the cost of everything going up, the cost of fighting fire has gone way up. And uh, so we're struggling. And before I let you go, Commissioner, where are we with spring planting progress? We planted early corn and, and got it in, uh, you know, in a pretty good time. But it's been so, we had so many cool nights. It's up. It's there. But, it, you know, it hadn't grown as fast as we can. Soybean planting, I looked at some statistics. We're probably about on the five-year average of uh, planting soybeans. And a lot of rain in the Piedmont uh, delayed us up here. In fact, at my farm, we had six inches of rain the last week in uh, April. I talked to people in eastern North Carolina yesterday, and they said that they're pretty much uh, finishing up tobacco planting down there. And, of course, strawberry season is beginning to wind down somewhat, and that's that's been an up and down. It looked like, you know, we'd have strawberries come in and get cool, Strawberries would slow down, then they would come back. So, uh, but they're telling me if the, you know, if it's a long season that runs, you know, into the first week in June that we probably are going to have decent yields, but the quality on the strawberry crop has been excellent. It's been a, a cool, wet spring so far, which is something we really don't like, but we have to deal with. Uh, there's a producer over in Pitt County that had a hailstorm in the last several days, destroyed the entire crop. I'm not sure if y'all aware of that or not, but that's part of farming. You you have to deal with prices and all the elements that, that are out there. I went and talked to Senator Tillis and Senator John Bozeman at the listing session on the farm bill, and I think every farmer probably the number one priority would be in a farm bill was making sure that we have a really good crop insurance program and a safety net because with the production costs that have been added to farming over the last couple of years, the risk has gone way, way up. And uh, one misstep now can put you out of business without insurance, so that's got to be paramount. Did you uh, get a little private time to bend their ear in North Carolina's favor? I did have the time to uh, to go one-on-one with he and Senator Tillis for about 45 minutes before the listening session, So, uh, and my staff was involved with their staff, so uh, I think we've got our points to them. And Senator Bozeman made the point that he is right. Sometimes it's not about what's in the farm bill. It's about what's not in the farm bill, and, and there's some dangers out there with uh, – all the talk about carbon sequestration and, and those issues, you know, they, they very well could affect production and productivity and profitability if, if it's not left to be voluntarily uh, done like it has been in the past. And I want the listeners to know there's been a lot of misinformation put out there about carbon and carbon sequestration and agriculture sometimes is the target. But the truth of the matter is, agriculture is the solution right now. What I know is that ag and forestry in North Carolina sequester 26% of the carbon emissions that happen in this state. So 
we're doing our part, uh, and we're going to continue to do it and maybe even do more, but we've got to have the ability to be productive and profitable if long-term we're going to survive. Commissioners, thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time to, to, to talk to us, and we look forward to visiting again soon. Well, I hope both of you come to the uh, Got to Be NC Festival, and uh, we'll visit and catch up some. And, uh... and vote on some Masonic barbecue. Coming up in just a moment, we'll talk with Roy Lee Lindsay, CEO of the North Carolina Pork Council. Bill Carone Cars and Wallace is the only Chevy GM dealer in eastern North Carolina to be an AgPAC dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you may already use, everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the AgPAC program at Bill Carone Cars and Wallace. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner. We're joined by Roy Lee Lindsay, CEO of the North Carolina Pork Council and friend of the program. Thursday, the Supreme Court ruled in the Proposition 12 case. That's a National Pork Producers Council against the State Secretary of Agriculture for the state of California. I think a good place to start is what Justice Gorsuch said in the court's opinion. He writes, Recently, California adopted such a law banning in-state sale of certain pork products derived from breeding pigs confined in stalls small enough that they can't lie down, stand up, or turn around. In response, two groups of -of out-of-state pork producers filed a lawsuit, arguing the law unconstitutionally interferes with their preferred way of doing business in violation of this court's dormant Commerce Clause precedents. Both the District Court and the Court of Appeals dismissed the producer's complaint for failing to state a claim. We affirm... Companies that choose to sell products in various states must normally comply with laws of those states. Assuredly, under this court's dormant Commerce Clause decisions, no state may use its laws to discriminate purposefully against out-of-state economic interests. But the pork producers do not suggest that California's law offends this principle. Instead, they invite the court to fashion two new and more aggressive constitutional restrictions on the ability of states to regulate goods sold within their borders. We decline that invitation. Most assuredly, I want to hear from my co-host, but first, Roy Lee, your reaction? I think obviously we're disappointed in the court's ruling. It is a very complex ruling, five different opinions, 58 pages. At the end of the day, it means that Proposition 12 in California will stand. California Food and Agriculture will go ahead and promulgate the rules and issue the rules that folks that want to sell whole cut of pork meat into California will have to comply with if they wish to remain active in the California market. Roy Lee, that was much more diplomatic than I'll ever be about it. It is a bad ruling. It's the tail wagging the dog. As far as Jeff Turner was concerned, there would be no pork in the great state of California. They consume 15% of the pork we produce in the country. Somebody's going to sell them pork. When you look at supply and demand, if you've got to reduce supply and an increase in demand, price goes up. Justice Gorsuch said it's a supply and demand situation, asking the justices to rule on fairness of morality versus fairness of imposition for that morality is asking them to determine the length of a line versus the weight of a stone. His point, which leaves an avenue for the industry to get Congress to regulate. He's not the only member of the the panel that mentioned that, hey, there are legislative remedies available. I don't think anybody knows for certain what this means for the marketplace in California or anywhere else until you actually see 
how they're going to implement it. How do the citizens in California react if there's, if there's limited product on the shelves? What does all of that mean? And I think until we see that, it's really hard to, to speculate about what will come next. Unless something else changes, we would expect Proposition 12 and its requirements to be into effect July 1. Jeff, if you were to decide to uh, make the changes required under California Prop 12? In fact, in the footprint in North Carolina, you would, you would either have to reduce the inventory on most farms in order to change the pinning and all the other things that are being required. And so you would have fewer animals on the farm. You lose efficiency there, plus the construction. We have a moratorium in North Carolina, and if you can't build back on the footprint or in compliance, it's a it's a dicey situation. I don't know how, and Roy Lee may have, have heard some numbers by now, but I'm not so sure that an existing farm with its present inventory in North Carolina could be built. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, Jeff, I, I don't know how. To, I certainly won't argue with your assessment in that regard. But the numbers that you hear are $2,500 to $3,500 a sow to convert from stalls to group housing at 24 feet. And, and I think it's important to note, you know, from a North Carolina perspective, is many of the farms in North Carolina have already moved to group housing. We use breeding stalls to, to house animals and confirm until we confirm they're pregnant and that their pregnancies have settled. And then we move them into group housing and, or, or group pens, if you will. Even in those cases, uh, we're in the 20, roughly 20 square feet per animal in terms of space allowance. And if you look in those group pens, what you'll find typically is the sows all lay down on top of one another and crowd themselves together and half the pen's empty because they're all laying in one end. But to comply with Prop 12, they need 24 square feet per animal. So even those facilities in North Carolina that have already converted to group housing, that group housing doesn't meet Prop 12 standards. What keeps the next state from going 26 feet? Let um, me see if I extrapolated correctly. Your point, Jeff, is there's a moratorium on the number of hog operations in North Carolina. And if we convert, we lose overall size of the number of sows that we have in North Carolina, which means we're just going to downsize if we complied with the amount of product we put out. Let's say you've got a, a farm that exists today is you can add to that farm you can do a lot of things if it stays in the same footprint and it still meets the the setback criteria that was developed in 1996 so first off if you're going to go from stall gestation to pen gestation uh, i think 19.2 feet is the number that everybody's been shooting at for the longest time you can in many cases figure out how to do that inside of the existing structure. But if you're going to go to 24 square feet per animal, then you have to add roof line or you have to lower the number of animals on the farm. Very fortunate to be able to talk to two people who have spent a lifetime in the pork industry. Jeff Turner, Murphy Family Ventures, Roy Lee Lindsay, the CEO of the North Carolina Pork Council. We'll leave it there, gentlemen, and I thank you both. This is the Ag and NC program, Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller. Randy Lewis is a dairy farmer in Alamance County, was the bull on the farm, and things didn't work out well. We're joined by Taylor Hayes, operator of the Ranlu Milk Plant. Tell us exactly Randy's situation. 
Randy was doing something that we do every day. He was moving some milk cows around, and uh, we keep a bull around the cows just to help with breeding. And today, that was the day that the bull said he didn't want Randy around and attacked him. Matter of fact, from the farm to UNC Chapel Hill, and uh, what's the state of his injuries? He has a broken bone in his cheek. Both of his lungs are punctured. His collarbone is broken on both sides. He has some broken vertebrae. I'm not sure where. And he has a bunch of ribs that are broken. Luckily, he is. His head is okay. He's still cracking jokes. He's, tell us yeah. a little. Tell us a little bit about his operation, and he is a lifelong dairy farmer, correct? Yeah, he is actually a fifth-generation farmer. He learned dairying from his grandmother. It's his family business. We have some people who help milk, feed the cows, feed the calves, feed the heifers. We milk about 50 head. Dairy farm operations, and it's also planting time. Has he been a part of your past? Yeah, I am not related, but I met Randy in... 2016, I was working on a nearby farm and he offered me a position in the milk plant where he bottles his own milk and sells it to the public. And my role there is, I call myself a milk plumber. I'm like pasteurizing bottling the milk. You set up a GoFundMe page for some of Randy's medical expenses, but also operation on the farm until Randy can get back. Hopefully he will be able to do so. Yeah, I hope he will be able to come back. Our goal for the GoFundMe is to cover his medical expenses and get him some coverage for loss of income, as well as some of the people I have had to hire to fill Randy's big shoes that were really missing at the farm. How old a man is Randy? He is a healthy 62 years old. Tell us how to find the GoFundMe page. Yeah, you can locate the GoFundMe page at gofundme.com slash Dairy. That's R-A-N-L-E-W-D-A-I-R-Y. GoFundMe slash Dairy. Thank you, Taylor. Let's take a look at last week's market numbers. June live cattle futures end of the week at 164.40. That is up $2.47 on the week. August feeder cattle up $2.90 to a Friday settlement of two twenty eight ninety seven five. That represented a weekly jump of seven fifty five. Lightly traded May hog contracts went off the board at 1 p.m. Friday, having edged up to seventy six sixty two. June hog futures ended the week at eighty four ten. That marked a weekly rise of thirty two point five cents. The hog and pork situation seems to be improving seasonally, although gains seen lately are much smaller than typical at this time of year. North Carolina egg prices were steady on small, lower on the balance when compared to the prior week. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Thursday, May the 11th, for small lot sales delivered carton grade A eggs was 111.21 for extra large, 98.32 for large, 86.09 for medium, and $69 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was two to seven cents higher when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly 617 to 687 at the feed mills, 667 to 681 at the elevators through Thursday, May the 1st. Number one yellow soybeans were mixed and ranged 1484 to 1526 at the processors, mostly 1424 to 1457 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was 16 to 54 cents higher, range 537 to 681 at the elevators. 
Soybean meal FOB at processing plants range 469 even to 481.40 per ton for 46.5 to 48% protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery, corn was 534 to 627. Soybeans ranged 1218 to 1280, and wheat was 537 to 681. That's this week's Agriculture in North Carolina. If you miss a show, play the podcast on your schedule, available for free download on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And find our sponsors at agandnc.com. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2023, Interbanks Media. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.